everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. Our guest today is a multi-award-winning writer, uh, political analyst. He is Joseph Henderson, and Joe writes for FloridaPolitics.com. That's FloridaPolitics.com, as well as for the Tampa Bay Times, where he is a featured columnist uh, on Sundays. Before we get to Joe, uh, Florida Governor Rick Scott here on Friday proposed spending a half a billion dollars to boost school security and mental health care funding in hopes of preventing a shooting like the massacre that took place at, of course, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland that killed 17 lives last week. Now, notably, the governor's plan would raise the age of purchasing firearms in the state of Florida to 21, something which um, is uh, President Trump's uh, concept as well. It's in direct opposition to the National Rifle Association's stance on firearm purchases. As many of you know, uh, at present, if you're 18 years old, you can uh, legally purchase a gun in the state of Florida, just like the shooter did in, um, in Parkland. Now, Scott's plan would also increase and create a new system to identify and prevent violent or mental ill patients from purchasing or possessing, for that matter, guns. If family members or law enforcement officers can show evidence to a court, that way they can make sure these kids get into some sort of a database, not just kids, but of course, anyone. Scott also called on the Senate legislature to implement criminal penalties for threats to schools made on social media. He also wants the legislature to ban bump stocks, a modification and obviously that allows a semi-automatic weapon to shoot rapidly. So Governor Scott steps up. He does some things which um, are contrary to the National Rifle Association. But uh, we're going to find out soon enough if people think that indeed it is um, enough to deter people from uh, going out and uh, continuing these mass shootings. Now, one other thing that came out today, and that was a poll that was um, commissioned by the Republicans uh, in the state of Florida to find out, you know, where the people in the state, you know, lie in this situation. And a very interesting piece, and that was that uh, 67% of the people in the state of Florida in this Republican poll, uh, basically are against assault weapons and would support assault assault weapons ban, okay? So that's the most up-to-date information that we we can give you on what's going on. So, Joseph, my friend and longtime colleague, uh, your observations on what's going on here in the state of Florida now uh, as we try to do some meaningful legislation and meaningful work after the tragedy that happened uh, uh, last week in uh, in Parkland. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, uh, I, I wrote a column today for floridapolitics.com that okay. breaks out of that mold just a little bit. Okay. And I'm starting to, I'm really starting to think that it it won't be the sweeping, you know, confiscate all the weapons, gun change that some people want, but mm-hmm. at least there is some signs that these uh, NRA puppets uh, in the legislature are realizing that, hey, wait a minute, this is this is serious, and I might just get voted out if I don't, you know. Uh, you know, meet these people at least halfway. So um, the Speaker of the House in Florida, Richard Corcoran, he, mm-hmm. one of the most strident pro-gun people you'd ever want to meet, uh, has always just stalled any attempts at gun control here in Florida, has said uh, as as late as yesterday, yeah, it's on the table. Well, we're going to talk about it. And uh, Marco Rubio, who you know, is, is an NRA guy through and through, 
is going, mm-hmm. well, maybe, maybe, you know, this would be a good time to talk about all of this. And uh, Adam Putnam, who could well be the state's next governor, current agriculture mm-hmm. secretary, referred to himself a few months ago as a proud NRA sellout. That is a direct quote. And recently introduced a, a measure that would allow concealed and carry permits in the state of Florida without a complete background check. And uh, he has um, wisely withdrawn that motion. So um, it's going to take time, but I think I think these guys are uh, are starting to get the message that, yeah, these might just be high school kids and they can't vote, but their parents can. And a lot of people in this state, I think, are taking a second look at this NRA hardline and starting to go, you know, hey, wait a minute. Uh, something's wrong here. It's about time. Yeah, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history in this uh, situation. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, for people who don't understand or know what goes on in Florida, uh, which actually can be some of the residents of the state, but um, <laughs> in this situation, um, there was a procedural vote on Tuesday, which said that they were not going to take up any issues having to do with um, with uh, right. any type of yeah. assault weapons. Um, but that was simply a procedural vote. It doesn't necessarily mean they cannot do that. Is correct? That is correct. And uh, Republicans uh, in the state were complaining that that was a grandstand play by Democrats, to which I go, you know, wow, too bad. Um, but that did that definitely did not preclude taking some sort of action on uh, trying to stop the insane appetite for guns uh, and gun and I put this in air quote freedom that uh, the legislature in Florida has and so at the end of the day we we will I wouldn't be surprised if if there's a There'll be tepid moves, but it'll be something, you know, maybe increase the age um, where you could buy an AR-15 like was used down in Parkland uh, from 18 to 21. Yeah, okay. It's not much, but it's a start. There's a movement. Uh, we'll wait and see how much traction this gets to limit magazine size from 30 clips to 10, mm-hmm. um, you know, makes a lot of sense to me because the argument is you need a gun for for self-defense why do you need a 30 clip i think 10 ought to be sufficient um just you know those tougher background checks that sort of thing uh a lot of yakking now about uh, mental health and how you know the problem in parkland wasn't guns it was the mental health of the of the alleged shooter and yet the state here continues to drastically underfund mental health care uh, and diagnosis. And the state uh, was summoned to talk to this, uh, the alleged shooter and, and check him out and decided, no, he's fine. He's good. So uh, <clears throat> I think there'll be a movement in there to, to address that. Those are baby steps, but for Florida, that's, you know, that's what passes for, uh, you know, sweeping Comprehensive public policy. legislation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me ask you about this. Yesterday, almost in real time, Rick Scott was meeting with students, you know, from uh, Douglas High School down in Parkland. And, um, mm-hmm. and the president was at the same time meeting with some of their representatives and, of course, Sandy Hook folks and people from Columbine um, at the White House. Again, almost in real time, Rick Scott proposed to the kids and folks that he was meeting with at Tallahassee, and the president uh, was got a teed-up softball question from the audience saying, well, why don't we uh, arm the teachers? And that was something that ironically I thought was pretty interesting that, as I said, almost in real time, you were getting a Rick Scott saying, well, you know what, if we 
deputized for all intents and purposes, the teachers, and um, and the president was saying the same thing, then, you know, that's going to be a good thing. Um, and and I know that that's something that in Florida has got some traction. I just wanted your feelings on it. I don't think that's going to go anywhere okay. because um, that's a Republican. That's long been a, a Republican talking point uh, in Florida um, that what we need in the schools to, are more guns, not less. Mm-hmm. And we need to arm the teachers and we need to do this. We need to, you know, that's insane. Here's mm-hmm. why. And I know that. You know, the gun rights people are going to go, what are you talking about? A good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun. Uh-huh. Well, that assumes that the good guy with the gun is going to be totally cool under under the pressure of a mass situation like we saw last week in Parkland. Mm-hmm. There's confusion. There's screaming. There's smoke. There's this. There's that. Echo of bullets in the hallway and everything else. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be able, he or she is going to be able to, in that moment, coolly, calmly, collectively – Retrieve their weapon from what should be a locked cabinet, I would hope, and then uh, calmly uh, go about, oh, oh, that's the shooter. Okay, I'm the good guy. He's the bad guy. Bang. No. That's insane. What they have to do is stop the spread of these mass weapons of killing. And you can buy – everybody knows, oh, the AR-15 is the – you know, the gun of choice and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, what uh, an idea that is starting to get a little traction, at least from the anti-gun folks, is how about, you know, we bury the um, the shooters, uh, the, man- the gun manufacturers with lawsuits, kind of like what mm-hmm. happened with Remington. Right, and like how about... Class action how about, lawsuit. Yeah, and how about we make the the seller liable if the gun is used uh, in a situation like we saw last week. That's mm-hmm. how you're going to get their attention, that and at the ballot box. And and that's right. really where I think this thing that the, is headed for a showdown because, um, you know, the midterms are coming up and there'll be a lot of these seats in the legislature up for grabs. And, you know, here in Brandon, Florida, where I live, just outside of Tampa, Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, it's a Republican stronghold and my mailbox, even though I'm a registered independent, I get, um, inundated with, um, these mailers, these card mailers from Republican candidates, almost all of whom either like to picture themselves holding a gun, uh, wrapped in the flag or something like that, but they all love to tout their NRA chops, how great they are and, I've got an A plus rating from the NRA, so I, you, you know, I'm your kind of guy. And the problem with that is, and, and is, is now is really not the time to be bragging that you're part of the NRA. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chris Latvala, who is a Republican uh, legislator here in the state of Florida, actually went on CNN last night and bragged that he has the lowest rating. He has a D rating from the NRA which mm-hmm. he says is the lowest of any Republican in the state. So isn't that great? You know, that's, that's where this is headed. They're all that's, starting to try to put as much distance between themselves and the NRA as is humanly possible. Just for the record, that's uh, Bernie Sanders' um, grade from the NRA. Um, well. Is a D. Uh, to your point on, you know, when we were talking a second ago about teachers and arming them, uh, I had a, an occasion a couple years ago uh, in a building where I was uh, doing uh, some television work. And um, on the top two floors, they ATF had mock-ups of an office situation and a school situation where they had in the school situation two classrooms and a hall in the middle. And what they would do with these mock-ups is they would take the um, – ATF agents up, the new ones, and they would bring them into these scenarios like happened at Parkland, you know, last week, or happened in a situation where, you know, in an office uh, circumstance, where there are these dummies that are, you know, that are movable and uh, things that happen. And they're in essence like paint gun type. 
fields. And you've seen them, I'm sure a number of people have seen how these things right. work on um, TV, police shows. Anyway, I had occasion to sit down and chat with the person um, who was the senior officer and training person at the ATF. Now, remembering that when these people get there, they already have a, a better knowledge than anyone that you could train, you know, as a teacher uh, of how guns work, because they, some of these guys were former policemen, some of them are former FBI agents, all of whom are natural, you know, understanding of how guns work. So my question to him was, have you, you know, what's the normal kill rate, if you will, of, of you know, of uh, innocent citizens to getting the, the perpetrator, right? And he said that it usually takes these agents, where they go up and they go through these different drills, a good first time is only three. So to your point about, okay, I'm going to retrieve my weapon. I'm going to get there and shoot my single, you know, my single yeah. bullet at, and hopefully hit him uh, while someone has an AK, you know, 15 that's reeling off 70 bullets in a minute. Uh, that is insane. And the fact that the ATF agents, okay, hit and kill potentially three people in their, in their practice range. And it takes them hours and hours and hours of practice to get to a point where they, you know, don't hit somebody. Uh, to think that you're going to walk in and give the, a gun to someone who has been trained on what? I mean, they're not going to these ranges. They're not going to go and go through these types of scenarios. How? It's just, it, 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 I don't know. It, it, it defines... It, it, you know, reality it's, to me. The argument that, that, you know, put more guns in a school and that's going to make you safer is, is whacked out to the, to a degree I can't even fathom. You know, the, the security is a problem at many mm -hmm. high schools. And we saw that down at, in, right, in Parkland. Sure. Um, you know, they all, all these schools, well, you know, we're, we need to beef up security. All right. Well, Parkland, uh, the Marjorie St uh, Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland has about 3,000 mm -hmm. students plus right. faculty and front office and so on and so forth. Right. That's mm -hmm. a pretty large high school. And mm -hmm. so you're talking about, well, we're going to have metal detectors. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. Okay. Well... I don't know if people have noticed, but there's a lot of activity around high schools and mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the notion that, you know, you're going to buzz somebody in the front gate every time, uh, a locked front gate or back gate or, or whatever, um, is, is ridiculous. Uh, even though, cause you know, I mean, this kid, the, the alleged shooter walked, walked right into the school, just walked right in, you know, carrying his, his weapon and was in, then in the hysteria able to walk out and, and head out to, to Subway to get uh, a bite to eat. So um, would more armed guards in the school help like professional, uh, you know, officers or whatever? Well, maybe. But how many do you need? They had a they had a, an armed officer at that school, um, but it's a big school, and he wasn't in the right place at the right time, so he was not able to uh, stop the bad guy with the gun. Or uh, are is the state willing to um, put the kind of show of force in a school that would that you could say, okay, that makes it safe. Are they willing to pay for that? The answer, of course, would be no. They're not willing to do that. So what do we got? The only logical answer is we need to have fewer guns and make it harder to get one. You do that, and 
you know, uh, I know the NRA types always say, well, gun laws don't work. You know, well, they seem to work everywhere else but here. So, you know, I'd, I'd say it's time to try a new approach. I was wondering something, and perhaps you can help me work through this one. If you um, if you buy a car, you can't drive it unless you have insurance. Correct. And the rationale behind that is because you have a instrument that could injure someone or yourself or both and potentially kill people. Correct. Why then, if I buy a gun, should I not be required to have insurance that if I accidentally you know, discharge that weapon and injure myself and or someone else through no fault of my own, but just you know, things happen. Um, why am I not required to have insurance? Well, that's, that's, I had not heard that argument before, but uh, there's, there's certainly some logic to that. Um, the, and speaking of cars, I, I love this argument from mm-hmm. the NRA types. Well, cars kill more people than guns. And, you know, we so do we outlaw cars? Listen, cars are the most heavily regulated thing in this country. They have mm-hmm. they have laws at the yin yang on that are designed to make them safer, to um, regulate what kind of gasoline you can burn in them, uh, on and on and on and on and on, and. Yes, people die in car wrecks, but the actual overall rate of of automobile deaths in the last 50 years or 60 years, excuse me, has declined dramatically as these cars have gotten safer. So, yeah, there's, you know, 330 million people in the United States right now, and that makes a lot of cars. And the raw number is that you're going to have more traffic deaths than you had before, but per capita, they've fallen by like half as the regulations have gotten stiffer. So I ask again, what makes guns so special? And they all kind of, well, the Second Amendment, my right as a gun owner. You know what's really taken place here, taken root here in Florida in the last week? That the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness trumps your doggone Second Amendment right. Well, Let's let's take that Second Amendment for just a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronald Reagan, whose name is evoked possibly almost as much as God's name uh, by the Republican Party, as a staunch conservative, right? Penned, um, put his name on. I don't know if he penned it, but put his name on a letter back in 1996, I believe, with then former President Jimmy Carter and former President Gerald Ford to endorse what became the um, banning of assault rifles in the United States. Mm -hmm. So Ronald Reagan was for the banning of assault weapons in the United States. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's fast forward then to 2006. That was the case that the NRA really desperately needed to win. Now, of course, it's DC versus Heller. It's a handgun case. Look it up. I will make sure it's linked here in the <laughs> show box. Um, the It was a 5-4 decision in Heller's case, which overturned DC's ban on handguns. And... Um, The majority opinion was written by Justice Antonin Scalia. Now, again, just like President Reagan. Let let us bow our heads. Let us bow our heads to Justice Scalia. If you read it, and I pray to God that you do, um, in the final paragraph of what was a very long um, decision, Justice Scalia specifically points out that military-grade and or style weapons are not covered under the Second Amendment. 
So yep. you have President Ronald Reagan, staunch conservative. Nobody doubts his conservative cred. Antonin Scalia, nobody doubts his conservative cred. These two icons of the Republican Party were against having assault-type rifles, yet all of these politicians run around as if it is an inalienable right, and Justice Antonin Scalia himself quoted in Heller, you don't have that right. Well, here's, here's the thing about all of this with the NRA, is they figured out a long time ago that if we control the legislatures mm-hmm. and we exert our influence through our membership, you know, by funding a lot of these, you know, candidates and particularly right. in, in congressional races uh, and things mm-hmm. like that, we will be invincible. Right. Well, okay. The NRA has about 5 million members. That's roughly the size of the state of Oregon. Mm-hmm. And yet the people, you know, for years, really um, decades now, the, the politicians have cowered in the face of the NRA because they were like, oh, my gosh, they'll, they'll put up a, a, you know, a, a oh, primary challenge million. to me. Uh, I better do what they say. So they all want the NRA endorsement. And over the years, their influence has become almost mythical, like to the point of, oh, you don't challenge the NRA. And what the other part of all of this equation that I think needs to happen is that, and maybe it will now, is is that you start getting um, people on the other side of the issue going, okay, is that how you want to play it? Fine. We'll form our own anti-NRA. And we'll fund uh, candidates for office that are on the opposite side of this debate from you. And if they don't do what we tell them, we'll primary them and and so on and so forth. And then this issue will be decided where it should be, which is in the Supreme Court. And, you know, the the other problem, Jim, with with, um, the anti-gun folks is that they always – and I've been guilty of this too, is we come out and we say, well, now we don't want to take your guns. Nobody's saying you don't have the right to a gun, but, but then you give them an opening. Uh, I've had conversations with Marion Hammer, who is considered the grand dame of the NRA here in the state of Florida. And mm-hmm. her argument is, don't tell me that I can't have any sort of weapon that I choose. It's not up to you to tell me what kind of weapon I can have? Well, that's how we got here. Because eventually, if you have a big old gun like that, you want to use it. And we're seeing it play out again and again and again and again. And finally, I think, maybe, hopefully, um, we are at a tipping point. The midterms are coming up. Republicans are running scared because of the unpopularity of Donald Trump, and they are already looking at a, at a big blue wave, and something like this only uh, compounds the problem for them, and so they've got to move in the direction of sanity on this, and that's why I'm at least it's, – it's absolutely horrific that it took something like this to, to make it happen, but if any – if there's a shred of good that can come out of this – it's maybe something is finally going to tip the balance and keep this from happening in the future, or at least on the scale that we've been used to seeing. Joe, the um, the other part of this, which I think is to me a bit curious, happens from that the NRA only, of all of the gun owners in the country, the NRA only represents 17% of them. Right. Um so I find that a bit interesting um, from that angle. But 
I don't, I do believe there was uh, at the town hall meeting that they had in, down in Davie uh, that was aired on CNN, a uh, young gentleman got up and talked to Senator Rubio and said, look, uh, if you promise to not take the money from the NRA, we'll get you money. And I think that, you know, therein, again, was a tipping point where people are saying, like, fine, you know, we'll match you dollar for dollar if you support what it is that we want supported. Now, I think it's important to note, again, for those people who don't live in the state of Florida, uh, that Florida is really a very diverse, very large state. You have a panhandle, which comes from Jacksonville out to Pensacola Mobile, which for all intents and purposes is a very strong NRA bastion. As you move to central Florida, it becomes kind of a hit and miss situation depending upon what county you're in. And then you split out and split into the South Florida area. And if you go to the West Coast, it's more, you know, NRA favor to the East Coast where it's more non-NRA favor. And it's a very diverse culture. So it's hard to say that, you know, Marco Rubio got beat up in Broward County, but that doesn't mean to Marco Rubio that he's got a problem. Well, Marco Rubio, Rubio, for all intents right now, doesn't have a problem because, you know, he just recently got elected. So he's mm-hmm. he's got plenty of time uh, in a six-year term. Uh, the, the guys who should be nervous are the uh, House of Representatives guys mm-hmm. because, you know, they're every two they're years, every two years. And um, a guy that should be nervous right now is Rick Scott, because he wants to be the next. Um, he wants to unseat Bill Nelson to be right. a U.S. senator. And, you know, Scott, actually, from being the, the least popular governor in the country, had begun to make a lot of strides. Uh, and his favorability rating was going up and people were looking at him going, well, you know, you you've handled the hurricane crisis here pretty well, and and you know maybe. And I was starting to think, oh my gosh, he's going to win. Now I think he's got a problem, um, which is why you see him kind of scrambling, and it's a tightrope for these guys because they they don't want to they don't want to make their the almighty base mad. But mm-hmm. Rick Scott can't be elected to the Senate with just the base. And so now he's not going to have a challenge, uh, a serious challenge, I don't believe, for the nomination. But, uh, you know, once you get in that statewide election, you've got to appeal to uh, the broader base, which is what you just alluded to. Florida is really three different states. Mm -hmm. And uh, the panhandle and over through Jacksonville is might as well be its own own state. And it's South Georgia. It's South Georgia and and South Alabama, East East Alabama, and the you know in in the central part of the state where you've got a lot more Midwesterners and and it's a it's a little bit more mellow I think Um, Mm -hmm. I've I've certainly lived here long enough to have a feel for that and in the the southern part of the state, well Miami and Dade and and, uh, Fort Lauderdale and Palm Beach that that's a whole different dynamic than, than, you know, the, uh, the deep Gulf coast part of the state over by Naples mm-hmm. and, and Fort Myers, that's all. There. So, you know, it's one size does not fit all in this state. And mm-hmm. that's a, the Republicans have been able to, to do that though. They've been able to hold on to both the, the house and the Senate here in the state of Florida and the governor's mansion. Um, Largely, uh, particularly the legislature through gerrymandering, uh, mm-hmm. and that's been challenged now in the court, and and a lot of the lines have been went redrawn. So we're going to see how that turns out. There's more uncertainty about what this state's going to do uh, heading into the, these midterms than than I can remember in a long time, and I've I've been here a long time, so. 
you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but this this is going to be an issue. This gun thing is going to be an issue um, for a long time here. Um, yeah. You know, it has to be. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about Rick Scott. Okay. Okay. Um, and this is just my own pondering of years of being around politics and knowing how sometimes people will give it, be given cover. Uh, I have a feeling that even though the NRA has no interest in seeing the age um, go from 18 to 21, that they may cut Rick Scott a uh, a deal and say, fine, we'll give you, you know, this, this, and this, because they want desperately for Rick Scott to be Bill Nelson and be the senator. They may, in my own jaundice, mind here um think that it's better to play the long game than it is the short game uh with scott well they never have um no i'm not the, i understand that but i'm just you know, I'm, I'm throwing it out there well it certainly your your scenario makes sense but it it totally goes against anything the nra has has done to get to the point where they are and they're going to have even even to me even more so than the senate race the governor's race is going to be just fascinating because you really have um an opportunity now for democrats that would have been unthinkable um even a year ago uh, you've mm-hmm. got Gwen Graham, who's the daughter of a longtime Democratic uh, governor and then senator here, Bob Graham, she is running uh, to uh, for the Democratic nomination for governor. She's probably going to get it. She is she's liberal, but she's not. Uh, I wouldn't she's say liberal-ish. she's liberal-ish. Right. Liberal-ish, yeah, but. She is feisty. She's been making the rounds. She's been raising money. Uh, she was starting to, you know, her numbers were starting to get really interesting with the, the, you know, the blue wave that everybody says is coming. And I think mm-hmm. she was going to be formidable. Well, on the other side of it, you've got Adam Putnam, right. who, very personable guy, uh, terrific on the stump. Uh, and I think he's a moderate at heart, but he's been running hard to the right in the primary, you know, for the primary. You've got yeah. uh, DeSantis, who is a congressman from Jacksonville, and mm-hmm. he is the darling of the of the of the hard right. They mm-hmm. love this guy. And, you know, just he is he emerged probably as the toughest challenger. And then you've got the Speaker of the House, Richard Corcoran, which who's been running TV ads, even nationally, that are just inflammatory, showing uh, uh, against uh, their anti-immigration ads and showing based off the, the tragedy in San Francisco where mm-hmm. a, a young woman was, was killed um, with a gun that a jury acquitted the illegal alien of murder in that case ruled it an accident, but right. that hadn't stopped Richard Corcoran. Well, that's so, the whole sanctuary city thing, right? Yeah. And, and, and that has suddenly become much less of an issue in the last week here in the state of Florida. As everybody goes like, Oh, what are we going to do? So you've got these, this free for all on the Republican side and mm-hmm. you have a compelling candidate on the Democrat side. And I think they, they have a chance. They've lost, I think it's five straight governor's races. Um, that uh, when you go all the way back to, to Jeb Bush, and uh, Democrats have not won the, a governor's seat in Florida in this century. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I think I think they have a chance to break that losing streak, and mm. if they do. And they can pick up some seats in the House and and State Senate, and they've already won a few special elections, and, and including one down in Sarasota recently. 
mm-hmm. uh, in a in a district that Donald Trump won handily uh, is now going to be represented in Tallahassee by a Democrat. Um, you could really begin to see some some things begin to change here in Florida, and it's long overdue. We've had one party control everything now for 20 years, and this is what we got. We got you know guns everywhere. They want to. They keep wanting to expand it. Uh, you've got Democrats are being ignored. It's just it's not healthy. This is a much more diverse state than than is being represented in Tallahassee. Okay. Well, let's uh, kind of wrap things up here. Uh, we're going, you know, we had a, a week where uh, people on the far right attacked a group of uh, high school kids saying they were actors, posting things on Facebook that was vile and frankly made me totally ill. And I'm not going to get into any more of that, but um Clearly, when that happens, they're making them afraid. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, It's good for politicians to feel fear. And um, I think, if anything, these kids have proven that they can scare the living hell out of politicians. Now, it's up to us to make sure that that hell continues until everything settles down and becomes right. Hell, meaning for the politicians, not for the kids. Right. Um, so, final thoughts as we wrap up this uh, well harrowing week. You know, you you alluded to that that internet hoax that was going on uh, that the kids, two of the students, were right. paid actors to go on TV. There is uh, whoever came up with that needs to burn in hell. I mean, that mm-hmm. is just the the worst of the worst. And the sad part is that there's a lot of people out there that believe it. I know this because I've heard from a lot of them. And you're just going, okay, I'm not big on excluding people, but these folks need a two-hand shove in the chest and go sit down until you get a brain uh, and then and then come back and rejoin civilized society. Because, you know, back in the day, the biggest fake news thing we had to worry about was uh, the National Enquirer, and now it's it's everywhere, and people only hear what they want to hear, and and the truth is a lie, and lie is truth. So, you know that's discouraging. But what we need to never forget, you know, is even as the political mess begins to siphon, you know, siphon through the system and and work its way through is that 17 people died last week in a totally preventable situation. And the, the shrillness of the, of the pro gun lobby contributed to this and I'm, you know, I'm sorry that I, I understand that's harsh, but they've tried to obf, uh, obfuscate it, <laughs> confuse it uh, for ever since it happened. Well, it's a mental health question. You know, the gun didn't kill him. The guy did. And all this. No, it has to stop. And maybe, maybe finally we have the chance to do that. I certainly hope so. I hope so too, Joe. You know, I once spoke to a a, a person who was a profiler who had to do with, um, you know, deciding whether or not a person was mentally stable or not. And that profiler said to me, a person who picks up a gun and shoots someone is by very definition mentally unbalanced. So you could say, if you wanted to apply that concept, you could apply it to everything. Anybody who picks up a gun, there are very few stone cold killers out there. And even the stone cold killers are absolute, you know, mentally 
unstable. So that defense is not really a defense. Um, it's a talking point, but it's not a defense. We, we really do need a holistic approach that does look at guns, that does look at mental illness, that does look at school safety, that does look at workplace safety, that does look at domestic abuse, all of it. Not one thing is going to help, but all these things together can help. And, um, you know, if we melted every one of the guns down we had today and quit, you know, quit, uh, you know, quit selling them, there'd still be more guns that, uh, than any other place in the world. So uh, I just hope, I have two nieces who are school teachers. And this week they said to me that if they were forced to, to, to have a gun in their classroom, they would quit teaching. And they're in their 20s, late 20s. They're excited about educating. They're not excited about being um, deputized and being in charge of um, protecting the classroom. However, the unfortunate situation is that teachers are now on the front lines of a war that our own government allowed to be created. And I hope that all those teachers and all those kids are safe every day they go out there. And I hope that the legislators understand that uh, I never thought I'd be in a situation to say this, that kids today in the United States of America do not understand what the, you know, or what's going on because they know that they're going to school every day with the possibility of not coming home. And that, if, ladies and gentlemen, then I don't know what the hell else is going to Well, if, if they didn't know that before last week, they know it now. And this, this debate will never, there will never be universal agreement on what needs to mm -hmm. be done. And the, we didn't get into this mess overnight. This has mm -hmm. been building for a long time. It's not going to be solved overnight. There mm -hmm. isn't one measure that, that we could pass or, or, incorporate that would that will solve the problem um there is a a real not and and let me let me stress you know i shouldn't have to say this but i but i will not all the vast majority of gun owners are not dangerous they're not somebody that i'd you know would be afraid to be around mm -hmm. but but in pushing for the expansion of gun rights, and I put that in air quotes, mm -hmm. um, the state of Florida in particular has essentially told people that it's okay to, to be armed everywhere. They want to, they're, they're pushing for, for open carry on college campuses, the the NRA is relentless about this. They've not been able to get it through so far, but they keep trying. They are pushing for uh, guns in, in public schools, as we know, and and they they want open carry on the streets. They want it's just it's crazy. And then the stand your ground law that you know everybody remembers that from the Trayvon Martin uh, mm -hmm. situation a few years ago says. Now that that you know, self defense is not really a motive anymore, or it's not really uh, a problem. Because here's here's what the thing is. Yes, obviously you should be able to defend yourself if you're under attack. Nobody's saying mm -hmm. otherwise. But they passed a law here last year that says now it's up to the prosecutors to mm -hmm. prove you didn't feel threatened. If you, so if you use deadly force on somebody. To use and, a, a Homer Simpson word, it's kind of ass backwards. You, you think? Not for nothing. But right. uh, the until we get rid of that mindset, until that, that mindset is changed, that anybody who doesn't look like me 
or I feel nervous about is a threat to me and, and therefore I have a right to defend myself by killing them, which is essentially what the state of Florida has sanctioned, we're going to have more stuff like this, more and more and more and more and more. It's got to stop, man. It's just got to stop. And I, I, yeah. this is where we came in. Hopefully, yeah. uh, if, if there's any good to come out of this at all, that will that will be the change in attitude. Joe, where can we uh, read your stuff? I enjoy reading it on Florida politics. What's, uh, give us your uh, social media and where to find your, your fine work. Well, you can find me um, on uh, floridapolitics.com. Uh, and there's a Facebook page uh, where everything is posted. You can find me on Twitter at J Henderson Tampa. And uh, every now and then, once a week, uh, I do write a column uh, as well for the Tampa Bay Times at tampabay.com. Okay, everyone, uh, that brings to a close yet another edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. Now, if you haven't yet subscribed, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, it's free and very easy to do. All you have to do is go to the iTunes store, okay? We're part of the Apple Podcast family and happy to be part of that group. We're also in the Google Play store. You can get us at Blog Talk Radio. You can get us on the Stitcher app. 35 million people do. So if you got that app and they've got all kinds of outstanding podcasts from many different genres, uh, by all means, look us up. All you have to do is go for the Politically Incorrect podcast and subscribe to it on the Stitcher app. Now, if you're the one of the 172 million people, myself included, that have downloaded the TuneIn app, for either your tablet or for your phone or both. Uh, then all you have to do, again, is search us, Politically Incorrect Podcast, hit favorites, and then every week you'll get a new edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast sent to either your phone or your tablet or both. So easy enough done, five places to get us. And uh, as I said, we're free. So please go out and subscribe to us today. Okay? All right. Many thanks to my buddy and longtime uh, co-conspirator here on politics, Joe Henderson. Read his work at uh, floridapolitics.com. That's floridapolitics.com, as well as on uh, the Tampa Bay Times website. Or if you get the paper, then by all means, read Joe every Sunday, okay? All righty. Thanks very much to everyone for joining us, and we will see you next week. Have a good and very safe weekend, okay? 